the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you for tuning in. Back there, that's Jeff Murtall, Alan Rogers. Gentlemen, thank you for your masterful work producing the show. We've heard repeatedly from President Biden that global warming is our greatest existential threat. No, it's not. It's communism. It's totalitarianism. It's people who are quite content using and abusing people for their own power and privilege. And remember, those who have the gold and resources make the rules. Those rules define our lives. How much power does communist China have? And what do we need to do about it? Well, that's why we're going to bring in Ashish Agarwal and, uh, Mr. Agarwal is an attorney who currently serves as an advisor to the American Edge Project. He has served in senior roles in the Trump and Bush administrations, including at the Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice. At the FTC, excuse me, Ashish served as assistant director of the Office of Policy Planning, where he helped to lead the commission's competition advocacy program and an initiative to examine regulatory barriers to the growth of e-commerce, both in government and in the private sector, Ashish has litigated numerous high-profile cases and argued a dozen cases in federal appellate courts. Ashish received his JD from the University of Chicago Law School, where he served on the Law Review, and his BA from Northwestern University. Ashish clerked for the Honorable Eugene Seiler on the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, who I believe was appointed by President Bush. So... Welcome, Ashish Agarwal, to the Bruce Hooley Show. And how are you this afternoon, sir? I'm great, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you, and I'm going to dive right in. I know that uh, we have uh, quite a bit to cover here, and uh, about you know 10 minutes to do it, nine minutes left here. Why is maintaining American technology so vital? Can you unpack that for our listeners? Well, it's just critical to our, you know, our economic prosperity, our national security, and really to our values. As you explained in, in your opening at the top of this segment, you know, technologies like advanced AI, quantum computing, uh, just semiconductors are really going to reshape our economy, are already reshaping our economy, you know, are going to lead to changes in cybersecurity and the military strategy. And if we were to fall behind China, that could really imperil what has been an American-led century. So I agree with that, by the way. And, and you know, you dive into the AI and, and quantum computing and, and you see where that's going and you go, my goodness. Um, you know, it's a tool, right? And, and a, a tool in the hands of a, of a good guy is different than a tool in the hands of a bad guy. Um, what are the national security implications of, of 
losing or lagging behind in the battle with China uh, on these matters? Well, if you think about something like you know quantum computing, uh, if we were to you know, lose that race, and, and believe me, it is a race, uh, you know, we might not be able to have you know, secure communications because you know there are projections that you know the next generation of quantum computers could you know, decrypt any communication. So think about that. If our you know Department of Defense officials aren't able to communicate securely with generals in the field, think about something like our uh, just our critical infrastructures here at home. You know, it's already been the case that our you know our water plants, our electrical grid, has come under you know cyber attacks from hostile foreign adversaries. And if we're not able to to, to beat those back, you know, that could have real consequences. You know, you know, here at home in places like Ohio. So. These technologies like artificial intelligence, they're, they're taking over, right, and essentially running our everyday lives. And again, it's a tool, but who sets the standard for that technology, and, and where is America in that fold? Well, you know, and here this really gets to our values. You know, with, you know, you know here at home, we, we, we have our disagreements, but we all fundamentally, you know, believe in things like, you know, individual liberty, free markets, the importance of free expression. That is just not the case in, you know, you know, communist-led China and other authoritarian regimes. They are using these kinds of tools to control and suppress their people. In China, for example, you know, everybody gets a, gets a social score, and if you disagree with the party or you do something that the party doesn't like, uh, it lowers your social score. And you know, we want to be able to you know persuade the rest of the world that they should follow our free model rather than an authoritarian model. And tech is a huge part of that. Yeah, it absolutely is. I had Congressman Warren Davidson Davidson on yesterday, and uh, he talked about cryptocurrency. And you know, there's cryptocurrency, and then there's the central bank's digital currency, and there's a, a really a push uh, for a central bank digital currency, and you know, it really gets scary. Like every dystopian novel or movie or story that you've seen or watched or, or heard about kind of starts with, you know, the technology, the currency, the, the the medium of exchange and value being controlled by the government. And uh, Davidson said exactly what you said, that in, in China, they have ESG or really social credit scores. And that's what ESG is here in America. And it, look, it, either you comply and, you know, you get pat it on the head, good job, and you can go do some things. And, but if you don't, then you get punished. How serious is that? How, how close are we in the United States of America to having that dystopian experience that we fear and sometimes hear about coming out of China? Well, you really put your finger on the button, which is that I think the real risks come from you know, the government exercising you know, too much control over our large technology companies. Look, you, you saw this in the last election cycle, right, or the 2020 election cycle, where you had, um, you know, deep state officials at the FBI and elsewhere in the intelligence community really leaning on technology companies to, uh, you know, suppress information that might have been irrelevant to how Americans voted. And, you know, the problem now is that you do have, you know, lots of proposals in Congress that would give more authority to you know, federal regulators to control you know, our technology companies to make it harder for them to invest. And I think that you know, you know, we, and I'm delighted to be on your show, as sort of you know, free market uh, conservatives should really resist those proposals. 
Yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little more about those uh, those proposals? Dive in a little bit more there because I want our listeners to understand. I, I mean, I think you're kind of hinting at these. They're kind of anti-innovation proposals, right? And, um, and and maybe some of the unintended consequences of those. So lean into that for a few minutes and, and unpack that for us. Yeah, so you know, a lot of this is driven by progressives who you know, still adhere to this you know, notion from you know, maybe the New Deal era that, that big is bad, and they don't like the fact that you know, some of our you know, tech companies are now you know, multi-trillion dollar companies in some, some cases, and they want to cut them you know, down to side without, size without recognizing that you know, these companies are really critical to our, uh, to our economic you know, prosperity, and you know, that these are the companies that are investing in the new technology. So some of the proposals would do things like, you know, prohibit these companies from investing in startups, uh, you know, require them to share information with their competitors, including, by the way, their, uh, you know, their competitors overseas. Um, and all of them would give a lot more authority to places like the Federal Trade Commission and, you know, the, the, the Biden administration's Department of Justice. So um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go in a, a pivot direction here. And uh, Intel building its plant in Ohio. I know that they're doing a ton of work uh, and anticipating uh, the semiconductor production there. Um, how does that help in, in the global landscape of everything going on, in your view? Well, first of all, congratulations to the Columbus area. That's a, I know that's a, that's a huge win. One of my colleagues with the American Edge Project lives lives right there and was uh, you know, telling me he wished he'd bought a little more land <laughs> around there. But, you know, I think that the best thing that the government can do is to create, uh, you know, a, a legal and regulatory uh, climate that encourages innovation and things like, uh, you know, supporting our, our critical industries like semiconductors through sensible free market policies. I think is 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 one way to compete because you know Ch- China is competing in ways both legitimate and illegitimate. They're 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 investing heavily in education and and and, and good for them. But you know, China through its communist party is also you know, stealing IP to the tune of something like five hundred billion dollars annually. They are um, you know engaged in you know what are called forced technology transfers, where if you want to do business in China, you have to you know, turn over some of your IP to them. So it's really important that you know Congress and the U.S. government you know, so work with and support our private companies. Yeah. So. I think what I'm hearing to, to summarize, and, and we've got about 15 seconds here, is look, this thing is going to grow and evolve, and it's going to be used regardless. So what we have to do through sound policies and being proactive is make sure that we don't let the bad guys have the bat. We've got to take the bat out of the hands of the bad guys, essentially. Well, um, the bad guys are going to have a bat. They're investing. We just need to make sure that we're investing, too, so that our bat is, is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is at least as good as theirs. Excellent. Ashish Agarwal, thank you so much for joining us today on The Bruce Hooley Show. It's a pleasure. Uh, It's a deep dive. Uh, I feel a lot brighter about uh, global economics right now. So thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, too. Bye. All right. Bruce Hooley Show will be back on the other side of this break. Welcome back to The Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor. And I'm excited to bring on with me right now Republican political analyst Terry Casey. Uh, Mr. Casey, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. And how are you this afternoon? Doing well. It's a nice sunny day in Columbus. Who can complain? 
after the cool weather we had earlier in the week, I'm not going to complain one iota. I, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to go and put shorts on after this. I'm I'm delighted. <laughs> hey, uh, it's really good to talk with you. Uh, I want to start off. Well, and we'll see where this goes, but let's talk about the state house. Uh, the Ohio Senate and House are both knee deep in cussing and discussing the budget. But the biggest issue being debated, in, in my mind, uh, and based on dialogue we've had this week, involves two proposed constitutional amendments. Um, why don't you uh, kind of weigh in on this? We've got you know the First Amendment uh, that opponents say will allow abortion up till I don't know ninth month, time of time of birth, and allow children to transition uh, without parental consent. The second is a it would require a 60 percent affirmative vote to amend the Constitution. And opponents of that say, well, yeah, that they're doing that because they don't want this abortion amendment to pass. So um, can, can you just break down for us uh, what the temperature is like uh, in the room on those two matters and, and uh, maybe what we might be missing in looking at, at both of those amendments? Well, first on the potential abortion issue that might be on the November ballot, they're gathering signatures on that issue. And when you read the actual ballot language, there are some areas of debate and vagueness and grayness where the two sides don't agree on what they mean or don't mean, because there's a section that says an individual and the debate and the legal question there, and I'm not trying to offer points on either side, I'm just trying to do as I do some TV shows locally, indicate that there's debate on it Mm -hmm. and there's going to be potential litigation. The question is, does the phrase an individual mean adults only, and therefore that parents would still have rights and responsibilities to decide what a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl etc. might be able to do or not do. So that's one of the questions where the two sides have very different opinions of what it means or doesn't mean. And then in the wording of the thing, it mentions five specific things that would include, but it doesn't say that it, it, but it says that it's not limited to just these five, including abortion. So there are debates that are probably going to play out on the TV screens and potentially in the courtrooms, uh, as far as what that phraseology means or doesn't mean. And again, each side takes their position, and they aren't even close to agreeing. And that's one of the things that's already been in TV commercials. Mm -hmm. And there's been news stories, both print and broadcast, saying what does it mean, and it depends on which legal experts you talk to. But it hasn't been litigated, because this is the first time to have that wording drafted, and uh, that might be one of the things that we might not know for certain on what the exact answer is till after, if it passes, well, if it's on the ballot, if it passes, and then depend upon what lawsuits are filed. So I think there's, both sides can agree there's differences of opinion of what, what it will mean or not mean. Yeah, and I think there is agreement that it's vague, and it needs interpretation. One of the right. things and the debate is, did they make it vague on purpose Bingo. or is that just to make it more flexible? But ultimately, those are the kind of things that might go to the Ohio Supreme Court as far as what does it mean or not mean. 
and I've talked to a number of different attorneys myself, and I get different opinions on current Ohio law gives parents certain rights over 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. And some would say, oh, that law will still continue to apply if this passes. Other people say, no, it, the phrase is an individual, and an individual might include a teen or whatever. And then again, there's a the question, is it just abortion? Is it gender changes? Is it gender medications? Uh, what's that mean or not mean? So it's, uh, and I said, I think last year on one of the TV shows that I did, I said this whole thing coming out of the Supreme Court decision is going to be an employment, full employment act. Maybe not for all attorneys, but for certain attorneys, there's a whole lot of questions that are going to be weighed. And one of the things on this whole potential or probable fall November abortion question that might go to the voters uh, is it looks like Ohio might be the only state in the union where this issue is going to be on the November 23 ballot. And because of that, that's going to mean a whole bunch of national money on both sides, pro-choice, pro-life, would come into Ohio. And uh, so it could be potentially, I think I made the comment, this could be like World War III, a $100 million plus campaign battle going on. So the mailboxes, the TV spots, when you've got $100 billion to spend, which might be that amount coming in from all over the country, Ohio could be the battle point over abortion. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we've got about a minute here, so I'll, I'll make a statement and then, and then ask you a quick question. Uh, we've written about what's going on in schools at the Ohio Press Network, and there are instances where children are socially transitioned and parents are really left out in the dark and the excuses. Well, the parents may not receive the information favorably that Susie wants to be called Johnny and vice versa. So I I think that uh, that needs to be decided on that issue. Who has control (laughs) and at what age? That's that's really important. Um, About a minute here. Let me ask you this. If this amendment goes on the ballot in November, Based on you know your pulse on what's going on in Ohio and the money that's going to pour in, it would only take fifty percent unless there's a special election in August that would up it to sixty percent. At fifty percent, do you think this amendment passes? Well, it's hard to predict right now. When you look at certain polling nationally and in Ohio, uh, it all depends on which side can better frame the issue. And one of the challenges in a constitutional amendment, and this applies on the. 60% question as well as the potential fall one on abortion is how does the public perceive the issue? How is it defined? Which is why the one side, the pro-life side, is spending apparently $5 million right now. They're trying to define the issue as being one way. There's the music. The We've got about 10 seconds. Go ahead. Uh, so clearly, uh, it, it's a hell of a battle, but who defines the issue generally depends uh, dictates who could ultimately get a win it. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.